Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Good morning. Morning, everybody. The sun is pouring into my right. It is filling my countenance with angelic splendor. I am Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas. You've reached wrong and wrong. Oh, oh yeah, he's here too with artificial light and his mug filling half the screen, which is a crime in itself. But James, I don't mean to talk about you in front of you. How are you doing today? I have a bone to pick with you. What, you're going to start there? Yes, right. yes, we got to start in with a fight. I don't have time for these pleasantries, <laughs> Steve. We got to get down to business. We're busy people. That's a lie, oh. but we are we are people. That might be a lie, too. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah. you sent me a picture of where you were before we started recording, yeah. and you were in yeah. a kitchen. Yeah. And you know what was wrong with that kitchen, Steve? What? It's nice. Nothing on Rattlesnake Ranch is supposed to be nice. I saw, uh, you know, uh, granite countertops, clean, sleek lines and surfaces. Everything was sparkling and new. That's not how things work on the ranch. Where, where are you, Steve? You can't be at home. <laughs> well, I should have said I'm not in my kitchen. I'm in Mrs. Steve's kitchen. That might have helped explain what's going on behind me. So... The, the mice yeah. are gone and every like this is just like a functional space to eat with running water and working electricity is is that what you want what? me to believe well there our oven might have something wrong with it we, we're gonna try to die by we I mean, mrs steve is gonna try to diagnose the problem with the oven because it uh, a, a bad plastic burning smell filled the kitchen last time she turned it on so we i.e. she thinks there's something that got on one of the heating elements that needs to get plucked off or something. But for the time being, the oven is down at Rattlesnake Ranch. But otherwise, it sure looks pretty. So you have a kitchen other than an oven. That, that makes much more sense. We have a what? You have a kitchen other than an oven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you... And when you asked if the mice are all gone... A uh, coyote just ran past the window over here last night because the coyotes are out and uh, they're doing the nasty all over the yard because it's that time of year for the yotes. So we're hoping that uh, the yotes, because when uh, the women get pregnant, if they're anything like the deers, when I say the women, when uh, the, actually there's a, a less flattering word for female dog that I probably shouldn't use. When they get pregnant, I think they eat a lot because they got to bunk down for a while to have their babies. So I'm hoping they clean out a lot of the rodentia here at the ranch. Who calls them yotes? Well, if you were a hockey fan, you would know that the Phoenix Coyotes are affectionately known as the yotes. And so I call what's going on right now the yote wars because I'm not, I'm not bashful to shoot off my porch if any of these things get a little too close to the house. We don't want them to get comfortable up here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm guessing every night you go to sleep to the heartwarming sounds of a coyote orgy. Is that is that what it sounds oh like God. up there? Yes. <laughs> yes, when you go out on the porch at night after dark, right after the sun just kind of, when the sky has got a little bit of pink left in it, that's when they are out and they are howling and yipping and 
There's like, uh, it used to be Barry White. That's how the deers do it. But the coyotes, man, it's Chumbawamba. They are thump pumping or tub or whatever the heck that song is. It's going down outside. Oh, well, I, I, I'm glad that things are as bad as ever. For a second, I was terrified that you would turn things around. And that we would have to end this podcast. But no, no, you have no oven and you have coyotes fornicating in your yard. So everything <laughs> is back to normal. Yeah, yeah. How's your day going, James? I know last time we talked, you had just put a caravan of children on the school bus. What What's happening this morning at this godless hour? Well, my only job in the morning is to get rid of four children. And today I failed. I got rid of three. <laughs> One of them is still home. She was she was sick last night. She was complaining that her stomach hurt. We gave her the, the puke bucket, you know, because we're kind and caring parents. She, she sleeps in a loft bed, though, and that's a problem when you think you have the flu. Because you're not making it to the Ooh. bathroom quick. You're either throwing up over the side, or you're throwing up in your bed, or you're throwing <laughs> up halfway down the ladder. So I suggested that she sleep on the couch in the toy room, but that was too scary to be by herself. And I suggested she sleep on the couch downstairs and that was too scary. So she decided she wanted to sleep in the bathroom. So she slept in a sleeping bag on the bathroom floor. She did not throw up, but today she, uh, she's still pretty mopey. And it was one of those, okay, you don't have a fever. Do we send you to school? Do we not send you to school? Uh, but she was uh, sulking so hard that I was pretty sure if I sent her, they were just going to send her right back. It's like, all right, I'm going to save myself the trouble. You have not thrown <laughs> up. You don't have a fever, but I'm going to keep you home. And for the most part, my kids are, are pretty good. I've never had any of them fake illnesses. I mean, we maybe we're on the cusp of that now, but she actually likes school. She likes going there. So I imagine if she could, she would. So I... Uh, I kept her home to save myself from that dreaded call in the middle of the day where your kid gets kicked out of school and then also can't go back the next day. So maybe this way we'll only miss two days of, or one day of school rather than two. It, it kind Well, first of all, if she's not sick, she's selling it. And I give her all the credit in the world for that. Like, if you're going to commit to being sick, you got to go all the way. And she went all the way sleeping on the bathroom floor. But secondly, it is rolling the dice as a parent. Like, uh, it is a one-day versus two-day decision you're making. But, James, have you ever, and by you, I'm sure Lola, dosed a kid up and sent them anyway because you had stuff to do that day and you were just hoping to get the kid through to the finish line? Just dosed up enough that they're able to make it to the end of the day so that you don't have to deal with this? You know, that's that's rolling the dice even more. And my kids are big enough now. It does, the, the medicine doesn't work quite like it used to. When they're like oh. toddlers, when they're early elementary school, they're like, your kid has to go home, they're sick, they're dying, all this. It's like if I give them literally any amount of liquid Tylenol, they will be back to 100% immediately. Yeah. And so they, yeah. you come home and you dose them up <laughs> and they're bouncing off the walls, running laps, they're doing the 400-meter dash in the living room. <laughs> You know, doing high dives <laughs> off the couch. It just and, it, and then then the, you know, four hours later, it wears, off, it wears off, and they're dying again. And you give it to them again, and they're back up and running. It's like, why why can't daycare? Why can't the school just give them this magic elixir, and they'll be back to normal? But they won't do it. And not only will they not do it, but if they catch your kid with a favor, they kick them out so that the next day, when they're fully healthy, even without the medicine, they still have to be home, and then they have twice as much energy. 
so if my kids have a fever up front, I don't do that, especially when I used to uh, when I used to work further away. Because if I would dose them up, I knew that that medicine was going to run out in four <laughs> hours, and so about yeah. noon they were going to be out, and then I was going to get a call at work, and I was going to have to come get them. Which I guess it depends <laughs> on if you want to be there the whole work day or not. Maybe you want an early out, and in that case, you you do that, or you just call in sick from the start and you stay home with the kids. So yeah, I. I don't know. I was thinking that maybe your kids were old enough that you were back in the olden days where you could send your kid in missing an arm and they'd be like, ah, you're fine. But you you were in the get bounced for illness era, too. Sort of. Uh, son definitely was. Daughter, I remember once we sent her to daycare. She was like a year and a half or two years old. And uh, she had a reaction called roseola, mm. which meant uh, she kind of broke out in some spots. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember why there, we were over a barrel, but I had to send her and I dosed her on the Tylenol and I gave her the pep talk in the morning. And when I got there, the daycare worker was like, what's going on with her face? And I was like, I don't know. She just got this weird thing. Listen, I got to go. I'll be back early to pick her up, though. And I think we made it through the day that way. But... That was, uh, boy, she was at a daycare at uh, the Jewish Community Center. And I don't know if they had the extra 24 hours because I think she just went back the next day. That was, that's been a while. She's uh, going to be 26 pretty soon. So that's been a few years ago. But uh, no, son was definitely at a school where if you had a fever, you had to miss this plus one. So that, that was a little more, we were flying higher without a net on that one. And we had, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, there was something going around where the getting bounced for an illness got much serious or much more serious. So back in the, back at the <laughs> peak of that, and I, I got to be careful My how God, I, that was delicate. I got to I got to be careful how I talk about this. But yeah. for a while, OK, so kids, they have symptoms. And for a while, the thing that everybody was worried about, literally everything uh, was a symptom about it. There was no illness that didn't somehow <laughs> fall under the umbrella as a symptom for this thing. And if so if you got bounced, not only did you get bounced, you had to stay out of school until you had a test come back negative. And for a ooh. while there, it took a while to get a test, and it took two or three days to get the results. So if you got sent home for any reason, (laughs) you were going to miss a week of school. And I had to tell my kids, I'm like, you can't, if you have a headache, like you can't tell your teacher that you have a headache because she's going to send you to the nurse and the nurse is going to call me and you're going to miss a week of school and you don't have anything more serious than a headache. Even though a headache is one of the 9,000 symptoms under a broader umbrella, <laughs> you personally just have a headache. So suck it up and act perky. And I had that talk suck with them about a thousand <laughs> times. And we, you know, and we, we made it through the era about as well as anybody else. But man, that was, uh, that back then you just, you, you know, <laughs> just because there's a big illness going through doesn't mean there's not still small illnesses. And that really did a disservice to the broad swath of small <laughs> illnesses, which just had to go untreated so that you didn't miss half the school year. Well, did, uh, I'm trying, I think this happened to you. I, I mean, we only do this podcast once every few months, mm-hmm. so it, it's tough to keep up with all the 
goings on. But I think you had kids sort of caught in that tuna net a couple times where they had to get tested and miss school for a few days, right? Yeah, and at the height of it, like, you got bounced for, like, being near kids who were positive or near kids who were near kids who were positive. I know for a while <laughs> yeah. they, they were kicking out everybody for everything. There was, I know, right before Christmas break, all the kids got bounced together. Like, they were all kicked out of school. But then two or three days later, so many kids got kicked out of school that they just started Christmas break early. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Don't have to feel too bad about that one. Ah, well, all right. Yeah. I wish life just worked that way, James, where it's like you can just make a unilateral executive decision to be like, ah, everyone go home. What the heck? Well, it wasn't I guess it wasn't Christmas break. It was they switched to e-learning and the, but they, they got real quick on pulling the trigger on that. They got so quick that in Indiana they had to limit it now. Now you can only do three days of e-learning a year because parents got tired of having their kids home every day. So uh, like with snow days, like they get we don't have snow days anymore. You have e-learning days. But they got to be careful about when they use oh, them because no. if you have to use four, then you have to actually go mm-hmm. and add back onto the school year and do all that. But if you only have, if you only have three, they get three days where they don't have to see your your children's lovely faces, and they uh, they are real <laughs> eager to use all three. <laughs> but so, if you replace snow days with e days, did you only have three snow days built into the calendar in general prior yeah. to all this? Yeah, and that's about and that's about what they plan. So they've they've got like they've got like three days that we're planning to have off. But if like the worst happens, they could extend school there. But my understanding is they would only branch into the days that we have off <clears throat> if we exceeded the three e learning days. The three e learning days don't count against us at all, which is which is nice. Now I would have hated that when I was a kid that a snow day is really know. a snow day. But then again, I bet an e-learning day is better than a regular school day. Because a regular school day, I mean, it's like a like a caravan of ships or a convoy of ships. You go at the speed of the slowest ship. And I'm not the brightest yeah. guy in the world, but I was very seldom the slowest ship. So you spend a lot <laughs> of the school day just waiting for that little tugboat in the back to catch up. And when you don't have that little tugboat, when you can just kind of go at your own pace, most of my kids can finish up their school day stuff in two or three hours, and you got four or five hours just to blow on your own. Yeah. James, I was accustomed to looking at the rear end of all the ships. So <laughs> to me, a snow day was like I was just touched by the hand of God. But I would have hated to had to go to school at home on a snow day. I. I guess you're saying look at the silver lining, which is at least you're not going to school and you have a half a day because you don't have a Levis dragging the whole class and the curve down. But I'm saying I would have still looked at that as a loss. Like, uh, man, snow days were awesome when I was a kid. And this was long before you were a kid, back when it really snowed. I don't guess it snowed a heck of a lot when you were coming up. I don't think that had anything to do with era. I think it had to do with the fact that you grew up in Wisconsin. I got news for you. It still snows in Wisconsin. Like, it still snows in northern (laughs) Iowa. Just you and I have wisely migrated to places where it snows less. And I I still get more than you, but certainly not Wisconsin levels of snow. I mean, nobody, nobody can survive that for a lifetime. God, I don't know. It doesn't snow as much now as it used to. My wife grew up in Memphis, and she still talks about that it snowed... It didn't snow often, but there were some good snows every year, and it really doesn't ever snow down here now. We might get an inch or two, and everybody, the the whole city is shut down for months when we get, actually, our city is shut down for a month if Indiana gets an inch of snow. That's how it is (laughs) around here now. But it really doesn't snow anymore. So I I think the, uh, 
I don't know the data on this break well, but I will bet the average annual snowfall in Wisconsin is, I would even use the word significantly less than it was when I was a kid. I think we are dealing with a selective memory issue because you and I probably remember every major blizzard from our lives. Every time you got a foot or two of snow and you got off school for a week, like those are amazing events. But you don't remember every day when you didn't have a blizzard. I mean, there are mild winters in there too. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. I think... I think we are definitely skewed in favor of memorable events. And when you only get a memorable event once every 10 or 20 years or five years, whatever it is, I think, I think this is a, this is a walking uphill in the snow, both ways kind of story. I think the, I think there's just as much snow as ever. Well, and I was shorter when I was a kid. I, I don't know <laughs> if that pertains to you, Dad, but I had to walk across a cornfield to get to school. And I'm being literal when I say that. And so uh, you add short kid with snow pants and boots going through a tilled and frozen cornfield that had like knee, at least knee high snow in it. It was quite an endeavor, especially when I wasn't able to hook up the dog team to the sled in the morning. So you're probably right. But man, it just seemed like there was a lot more snow on the ground back then. You had to walk across the field. There was no way yeah. in this giant grid of, of country roads that you could just walk around it. You had to go directly across this furrowed field covered in snow. James, I don't know how well you did in Cartesian geometry, but you can either go in a straight line to school or you can go the country roadway, which uh, means, A, you're probably going to get hit by somebody who's careening on the icy roads, and B, you're adding about a half an hour to your trip if you don't just go across the cornfield. So being, despite being the tugboat that I was, <laughs> I was bright enough to know I didn't want to be out in the cold any longer than I had to be. Well, except if you're walking through a foot of snow, if you walk on the road, you're not going to, well, I guess it might not be plowed anyway. Was the school on the other side of the field or the bus stop was on the other side of the field? No, the school was, there was, it was my parents' house a cornfield and the school, like uh, in a straight line. So we, they do something here where if you're too close to the school, you they won't pick you up on the bus. So you're in like this awkward middle ground where there are some kids who probably have to walk quarter of a mile because they're too they're too close <laughs> to the school to get a ride. So they're just uh, they're the worst of both worlds. So I was wondering, I was like, why wouldn't the bus driver just come to the end of your you know mile long driveway? And uh, I guess that's the answer right there. As you were too close to the school, you could hit it with a rock, and this giant field you had to march across was probably like 18 feet wide, and it just seemed a lot bigger to you. I will bet, because the, 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 uh, the bus stop was about two blocks from our house. It was probably... It was probably just a little bit longer to walk across the cornfield, but it would get me inside the school quickly versus trying to time it right to run two blocks to get the bus. By the time the bus would have crossed the end of our street and I saw it, it would have been too late to run and catch it. So that would have meant standing out with the other idiots in the snow and the cold waiting for a bus. And I think the bus didn't take a direct route from the school, or to the school. Like it would pick us up and then it would have to pick everyone else in our subdivision up. So it was a long ride. Uh, and the bus was packed all the time because we had all the public school kids on there too. Ugh. So it was just easier from a logistics and almost from a distance standpoint to just walk across the field. Isn't it terrible how buses insist on picking up everyone else as well? 
It's not personalized <laughs> transportation. They load all the kids on there and then they go to school. That is that is the worst. Man, and we had speaking of the school buses and how it's the worst. People tell stories who are my age about when they used to lay in the back window of their grandparents' car when they were driving, like no seat belts or anything. Mm -hmm. School bus, man, our bus, there were so many kids in the subdivision that we had every seat filled three, and then there was kids standing in the aisle hanging Whoa. on to the seats on both sides to get to school in the morning. And I don't know why nobody had a problem with that, but apparently it was okay, just the way it was. Man, that, uh, you know, things have come full circle, though, because uh, these days they can't hire bus drivers. So and it's not been as bad this year, but the last couple of years, they kept combining bus routes and combining bus routes. They had plenty of buses. They just didn't have anybody to drive them. And so kids had to keep Ooh. doubling up and they kept cramming them in there. Now, I don't think they ever got to the point where it was three across because kids are a bit bigger these days than they used to be. I don't think you can go three across <laughs> anymore. That was where they had to draw the line. And there were some days, I mean, we actually, it was most days, we get a text every day, such and such bus route is on. If uh, if you're on that bus, good luck to you because we don't know how you're getting to school. And that was wow. that was just it. So, yeah, things were things were dicey there for a bit but i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be a bus driver i mean the pay is no. better than it used to be but it's not great and it's like just a part-time gig you got to take that that big bus through narrow streets where people are parking on both sides and then at the end of it you got kids you got a bus full of kids i don't want to drive that they're yelling and shouting and sticking things in places they don't belong i mean it just even <laughs> oh, even if your bus route's only 20 minutes long that 20 minutes is going to take 20 years off your life no thank you i will pass <laughs> well and being a numbers game you can have 43 of the sweetest kids on earth mm -hmm. but if you have that one kid like, it's going to ruin everybody's day, and you are responsible. So, yeah, I don't know that I'd want that gig either. And you can't you can't throw just one kid off the bus. If they let you strategically eject a child here or there, you know, they'd, they'd learn a quick lesson after they walked two miles to school, and you'd have discipline restored. Everybody would be afraid of you. Everything would be fine. But no, no matter how terrible that kid is, you got to take them to school. And they know it. They've got all the power. And that's, and that's why the world is falling apart today, Steve, right there. This is why we can't have nice things. Yes. That's right. Exactly. But so Now, your kids, you've always driven your kids to school, right? No, I made the switch. So I used to drive them because oh. my youngest was in preschool at the same school as the other three. But it was not part of the school it was a separate independent program within the school and even though child number four was going to the same building as children number one two and three they would not let child number four ride the bus so the first three huh. could ride the bus and then i had to drive child four I'm like well that's stupid i have to drive anyway so i just drove them all but then yeah. child number four started school proper and uh, now she rides the bus. Now it's it's slower for the kids, but it's a million times faster than me because otherwise you got to get down there, you got to get in the school line, and there's always yeah. somebody who just can't figure out how to get their kid out of the car. It's like we've been doing this for 90 <laughs> days in a row. 
You pull up. As you pull up, you've already pushed the button to have your sliding door open. Your kid jumps out and does a barrel roll like they're a paratrooper, and you move on. But they'll be sitting there, and they're having a conversation, and there's hugs and kisses and tears. It's like, come on. They've been, they've been going to school for half a year. Get over yourself and get out. You're holding up 60 other parents. So, yeah. So now my kids have to, even though, even though school is a five- or six-minute ride away, it would be a 20-minute ordeal for me to get there and back, dropping them off. So instead, my kids have to go out and wait in the cold for the bus. And now they go to two different schools. My <laughs> oldest is in middle school, so she gets up even earlier. But it is, it is spectacular. And then when I'm out of the house, uh, they can put themselves on the bus. They can get themselves off the bus so I don't have to be home when they get home. And there are no daycare costs. So they are... They are old enough to have enough independence to be dangerous. They put themselves on, they take themselves off, and they're, they're basically adults now, Steve, and life is good. Matt, stop messing with the ham and egger moms dropping off kids at school. It's not an easy process. There was one time where I was on the road. I don't, Mrs. Steve must have had to be somewhere, and my mom couldn't come help, so my dad came, and he did school drop-off, and apparently he got yelled at and honked at, and the and we never heard the end of it. I mean, you know me. Just imagine me times 10. That was my dad when he came back from school drop-off the first time. He had to do it like three days in a row, and it was an abject disaster, which has been just fabulous from my standpoint. But uh, you're a little harsh on everyone doing the drop-off, James. It, it's not self-explanatory if you've never done it. If anything, Steve, I am not harsh yeah. enough. That's natural selection right there. Your father was selected to not be a school drop-off person. And it's good that the other parents ganged up on him and emotionally traumatized him until he didn't come back. That's how you keep the line moving. You get rid of the slowest ship. <laughs> well, and that's why we got to drop off the map right now, James. <laughs> So we are going to putter into port and get a few repairs between now and God willing next week. But we're hoping that you, I'm talking to you, GDP, join us again next week when we possibly come back from an ungodly hour to give you wrong and wronger. And until then, until we come face to phone with you and take up that little corner of your life that you wish did not exist. This is Steve Alinas, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for listening, thanks for watching, don't be the slowest ship in the uh, armada, and always remember, two wrongs can make a right.